1: with all the stresses of life, it can be easy to lose perspective on what really matters. But Heineken believes that life is about being with friends and opening yourself to new experiences. Because when you live spontaneously and embrace the unexpected, it's a chance to create new stories and connections. You just have to be open to it. So enjoy a refreshingly cold, full-bodied Heineken lager today with its deep golden color, light fruity aroma, mild bitter taste, and a A crisp, clean finish. From the Jill Schwartz Memorial Library, this is Obscure, the podcast in which I read Jude the Obscure out loud and comment on it as I go. Today, a very special episode. Because I just finished the first part of Jude the Obscure, today is going to kind of be a review, a review of the book thus far. And because I do not trust myself to recount the book as well as maybe I should, what I've done is I've enlisted somebody to help me. And the person I've enlisted is my daughter, Ruthie. You want to say hello?
0: Hi.
1: You got to talk a little bit better into the microphone.
0: Hi.
1: Great. Really great. (laughs) Uh, Ruthie's 15 and she is, as they say, not a reader. Would you agree with that? No. What do you mean, no? You don't read. Um, I, you you got to talk into the microphone. I don't like facing it. Well, okay. that's how microphones work. You okay. literally have to face them. I'm doing it. All right. And so Ruthie has never read Jude the Obscure, like most of you. Uh, when Ruthie, what books do you like? Um, I can't read them any. Well, exactly. That's sort of my point. That is sort of my point. Ruthie is a binge watcher of things. What are you watching right now?
0: Criminal Minds.
1: And how many seasons are there of Criminal Minds? A lot. And how many have you seen? Only like two. All right. And what were you watching before that? Shameless. And how many seasons of that are there? Eight. And how many? How much have you watched?
0: Um, I've watched it twice.
1: Okay, so that's okay. So you sort of understand where Ruthie's head is at. And so, Ruthie, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to tell you the story of Jude the Obscure up to this point. Okay. And this is in the interest of our listeners to give them a recap and to get you excited about 19th century British literature. I am excited. Okay, great. Here's how it starts. There's this kid. You want to guess his name? Jude. His name is Jude. The book is called Jude, the obscure. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm asking. I'm asking you to think and talk okay. into the microphone. I am. If you want, you can hold it. You can oh. hold. Okay. There's this kid, Jude. He's just a boy. He's a wee lad, just six years old. When the story begins, mm-hmm. maybe seven. And it's in this little town called Mary green. He has gone to live with his aunt after his parents died. And I know you like things about dead parents. Or kids that get sick. You like both of those kinds of things. Yeah. All right. So this his his parents are dead, and he's been sent to live with his aunt, Drusilla. And Drusilla does not much care for Jude. She is a sort of a spinster aunt. She runs a little bake shop. And she is overheard by Jude talking to her friends, saying things like, it would have been better if Jude had died along hey, with his, who? his... mom." His mom? Yeah, who, who's the woman. He's Jerusalem. What did I just say? I forgot. You forgot to listen, right? I literally just said his parents died. That was the <laughs> first thing out of my mouth.
0: I forgot.
1: How could you forget? I literally said it 15 seconds ago. I said he went to live with his aunt.
0: Okay.
1: He went to live with his aunt, Drusilla. She took him in. Okay. Mm-hmm. She was overheard by Jude saying it would have been better if he were dead with his parents. All right. So you get a sense of what Drusilla's like. At the beginning of the book, Jude is the oca- occasionally goes to school and he likes school a lot. His school teacher at the very beginning of the book is leaving town and jude is heartbroken because he really likes this school teacher but the school teacher's like jude i got to go i got to i got to go to christminster which is this big town nearby i'm going to get myself an education and i'm going to become a, a great student of the divine and jude is heartbroken and he ends up deciding that his life in mary green is basically worthless. He has nothing. He has nobody who loves him. He gets fired from his job. He's only like 6 or 7 years old but he has a job. And his job is that he um he's like a scarecrow. Crows come into this this corn this cornfield and his job is to scare them off and then he he's so tender-hearted that he says to the birds come and eat the corn and the farmer catches him and basically kicks his ass. He beats Jude with this thing called a clacker, which is the thing that Jude is supposed to use to scare off the birds. And the farmer beats him with it and fires him.
0: Why? Wow.
1: Why? What did I just say? The birds came and What did he do? Oh, he didn't do anything. Right. So that's what, So he wasn't doing his job. Okay, now I get it. <laughs> My God. I just want to point out to the listeners... That my daughter is a straight A student. I want to reassure the listeners that my daughter is a great student and a, and a fine person and a smart person. But as she says to me regularly, I forgot to listen. And so as I'm talking to her, I can see her eyes focused on the distance of the Jill Schwartz Memorial Library. Her eyes are are located somewhere beyond the walls. I have to maintain eye contact with her to make sure that the words are penetrating that feeble skull of hers. So he's fired. He's heartbroken. He's alone in this world. And he decides that the only possible way for him to get out, for him to elevate himself in this world, in this wretched world, is in England. What time? The 1890s. Not much was going on. It was a time of uh, the Industrial Revolution was kind of ramping up. Uh, uh, Life was changing in the cities. The book, Olive. What? (laughs) The play about the boy named Oliver. Oh, Oliver. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, roughly the same time as Oliver. And Christminster Mm -hmm. is a fictional town in the county of Wessex. That's where his teacher, Mr. Phillotson, has gone. That is where Jude decides he needs to go to get an education, to follow in Mr. Phillotson's footsteps, and to become an educated man. And so what he does is he wanders over up this hill where he can maybe just kind of make out Christminster in the distance. And he begins fantasizing about what his life would be like if he could just get an education, if he could just learn.
0: But
1: he's already at school. Yeah, well, he well, you've just revealed a plot hole in the book that I hadn't really considered. You're right. <laughs> he goes to school like he, the reason he wasn't going to school was because he had this job at the at the farm, but he got fired from the job. So why doesn't he just go to school full time? I think he has to help out Drusilla at the bake shop. He's got things to do. He can't be going to school all the time. And the school itself is is a small country school. It's not gonna prepare Can him. Walk? What? Like in Little Prairie, does he have to walk to school? No, he takes the car. <laughs> He fantasizes about Christminster, decides that that's what he's going to do. He's going to go get an education at Christminster, but he doesn't know how to do that. He almost runs away from home. He gets a little bit down the road, turns back out of fear, decides that he has to learn more. He has to figure out how to get an education. He runs into a fella, a quack physician. Do you know what a quack is? It's somebody who is a phony doctor. Okay. And this guy makes his living going around and selling fake medicines to people. Snake oil salesman is what they used to call him here in America. And he runs into this guy and he said, and, and, but his name is Dr. Vilbert. And, and, and he thinks, well, he's a doctor. So even if he's a, a crummy doctor, he has an education and he says to the doctor, doctor, I, will you help me get educated in Greek and Latin? Because he knows he needs Greek and Latin to go to Christminster, to go to college. And Dr. Vilbert says, well, it's no problem. My boy, no problem at all. What I'll do is if you, I'll make a deal with you if you make a deal with me. What I need you to do, son, what I need you to do is this. I need you to go to every house and tell them that Dr. Vilbert, Dr. Vilbert's pills are the best pills in the world. I've got female pills. I've got all kinds of salves and lotions and balms. And if you do that, if you do that for me, meet me back here in two weeks and I will give to you, I will give to you, my son, my original grammars, my original grammars of Greek and Latin and grammars are just books. you actually know that? Um, I don't know. Well, uh, Jude does everything that he's asked to do. Jude goes around to the town, to the town's folks, and he tells them all about Dr. Vilbert and how wonderful his cures are. And he meets him back at that very spot two weeks later, and Dr. Vilbert does not even know who he is. Oh, yes, yes, you're the boy, you're the boy that was troubling me two weeks ago. Well, I forgot to bring the books this time, but I'll bring them next time. And Jude realizes he's been conned. Jude also just said not have done it and said he did. I suppose so, but Jude is an honorable young man. He's an honorable boy. He kept his end of the deal and expected Dr. Vilbert to do the same. So once again, Jude had his, has his heart broken, his hopes dashed and uh, now we're going to take a quick break here, Ruthie, uh, just to pay for this show and your college. Mostly your college. Actually, really almost nothing because I make no money doing this. Ooh, there's great stuff happening if you like great stuff here's the place to find it never not funny if you've never listened or you haven't checked out checked it out in a while now's the time what's never not funny you ask well it is comedian jimmy pardo's podcast long running never not funny podcast where he jokes around with his sometimes famous always funny friends now uh you know look i could sell you a line here a bull about how jimmy solving murder mysteries or interviewing presidents but that would not be true No, this is just a free-flowing conversation built around Jimmy's knack for always finding the funny, I dare you not to laugh. I dare you. Recent guests include Patton Oswalt, Rob Reiner, Colin Hanks, Cristela Alonzo, Taylor Goldsmith from the band Dawes, and the hilarious Jamila Jamil, who plays Tahani on The Good Place. Of course, you'll also find Earwolf favorites like Scott Aukerman, Andy Daly, Janet Varney, Dave Holmes. Uh, if you're new to the show, why not check out the highlights from Podcast Athon 2018 featuring Conan O'Brien, Tig notaro Rory O'Malley, and Paul F. Tompkins? You'll find that right in the Never Not Funny feed. Check out Never Not Funny on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Obscure. I'm here with my daughter, Ruthie, and I'm just filling her in on everything that happened during the first part of Jude the Obscure, and uh, I'm struggling a little bit to keep her attention, hopefully not yours, and she's refusing to speak into the microphone, which uh, I have repeatedly instructed her is where one speaks when one is recording one's voice, but at least for a brief few moments, she is not Doing uh, what she so often does around this house, uh, which is to utterly ignore me. She's just mostly ignoring me. So, Ruthie, Jude was just conned by Dr. Vilbert, and next he sends a secret message. To his old teacher, Dr. Phillotson, in Christminster. Mr. Phillotson had, had left a piano behind because it was too bulky to move. And he puts a little note in the piano when Mr. Phillotson sends for it. And he says, Please send me some books on Greek and Latin. And then what do you know? A little while later, a package arrives from Christminster. It's from Phillotson, it's books of Greek and Latin. And Jude devours them. Jude devotes every waking moment to studying these languages, the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and now he's getting older and he's get, he's growing and he because he's now a young man and he has devoted the last several years to learning. He is like a monk in his fervor for studying. Um, a burning desire, a fervor. Oh, I thought it was a person. You thought a fervor was a person? Like a job. Uh, no, that okay. would be, that okay. would be a furrier. Okay. Somebody who buys and sells furs. <laughs> <laughs> no, and he realizes that if he's going to go to Christminster, he needs a trade, a job. He needs to understand. Me- well, yes, but he needs to have money in order to go and to study. So he needs to, he needs to have some sort of job that he can do. <laughs> so he apprentices himself to a stonemason to learn how to cut stone. And so he's doing that in the day. And by night, he's studying Greek and Latin and the old religious texts. And then, Ruthie, and then yeah. he's walking along one day, somewhere he's never been before, down by a, by a babbling brook. The woods. Sure, the woods. <laughs> okay, you're doing very well. I want, you to tell you, I want to tell you and assure you, you're doing very, very well. And you're helping me explain the story. Yeah. He hears the voices, female voices young women. He sees them down by the creek, the babbling brook. They're cleaning pig parts. They're butchering pigs. They're, they're, they're sorting out their pig farmers and they're doing pig work with, with dead pig parts. And one of the girls seeing Jude kind of like a prank picks up the pizzle of the pig and throws it at him. I see you shaking your head. You didn't know, you don't know what the pizzle is. Well, I didn't know what it was either. And I thought it was just, what can I tell, can I tell you yeah. the story? I thought it was just like pig guts, pig intestines. Mm-hmm. Well, after I released the episode where I described this, several people told me that in fact, guess, yeah, the
0: tail.
1: no, you're not going to like what the pizzle actually is. It's the, it's the actual penis of the pig and she throws it at him. Throws it far off. Well, you were kind of far off. <laughs> She throws it at him, smacks him in the face. And he's like, "What the hell?" And he says he's basically like, "Who did that?" And this girl, her name is Arabella. It's like, "Well, I might have been me. I might have done that." And he's he's mad at her and they they sort of meet down by the brook and they start talking and it turns out Arabella maybe has a little bit of a thing for Jude. She finds him attractive, he finds her attractive. They agree to go on a date. All right? Yeah. After this strange meeting, they agree to go on a date. And that Sunday, they take a walk together. They kind of get to know each other a little bit. There's a kind of instant attraction between Arabella and Jude and Jude and Arabella. And suddenly, all the studying that he's been doing for the last six, seven years, whatever it is, it kind of goes right out of his head. Suddenly, he meets a girl and like that, you hear it? Wait, can you, can, you, can you snap? I don't think I've ever... Well, let me hear you snap. I don't know that I've ever heard you snap. I can't whistle. Let me hear you snap. Oh, my hands are sweaty. There's a snap from me. Miami. Uh, I heard, okay, I kind of heard it. And now, and now here's a whistle from me. Can't. You can't do any whistling? Huh. Okay, I, I believe you. I just, I didn't know. I can't play the flute. You cannot play the flute. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Are you kidding? You might be able to like squeak out a note. I played the flute. You did play the flute. When was the last time you picked up a flute? Um, sixth grade. Okay. And now you're going into 10th grade. It was four years ago. And I hate to break it to you, but you weren't great then. They go on a date. It all goes well. There's a little, there's a little kiss at the end. He walks into her house and basically all her neighbors are there and her parents are there. And they introduce him as her intended, meaning like, oh, this is, this is Arabella's boyfriend. They're probably going to get married. They just met. And and Jude's like, what the, I got to get out of here. Jude leaves. He's going to go back to his studying, but his head is in the clouds. Right. And he is developing feelings for this girl. Meanwhile, Arabella is saying to her friends, I met this guy. I think he's really cute, but I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to hold on to him. And her friends say to her, Arabella, you know what you got to do? You got to get yourself pregnant by him. Mm -hmm and Arabella's like really and and her, her friends are so devious and like yeah that's how you trap a guy you trap him by getting pregnant now Ruthie i spoke to a guy named Dan Savage about this very subject i will tell you i see a concerned look on your face oh, familiar. okay dan savage is is maybe the 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 nation's foremost sex expert and i said to dan savage Do, would you recommend this course of action for girls who want to have boyfriends yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he did not say yes, and and I asked him about the sex lives uh, uh, of your teenagers and like what are you supposed to do with your teenagers? Like how do you like what do you do? Like how do you have that conversation? And Dan was like because Dan's got a twenty one year old. He was basically like you just got to you just got to be open and transparent and honest with them and make sure that they're safe. That's uh, the advice I'm going to give to you. Uh, I, I just want you to be safe all right okay all right um do you, do you have any questions about sex that you'd like to ask to my uh global audience no. yeah i didn't think so
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i know i know i basically know where you are most of the time yep. my wife martha who you've met keeps the tracker on her phone she loves it, she loves it. is how she just said just yes, she likes to know where you are i do too but I refused to get the tracker on my phone and the, the, because I thought it was creepy. I thought I said to I said to mom, uh, it's fine to monitor like the whereabouts of minors. But I think it's weird for adults to monitor. Well, I can monitor mom. Yeah. when well, you know where she is. She knows where you are. Yeah, I know when she's late. <laughs> <laughs> um, decides that she's going to seduce Jude and she's going to try to get pregnant. And by the way, Thomas Hardy, who is the author of Jude the Obscure, basically lays the blame for this entire relationship at Arabella's feet. He He's saying Jude is just this naive 19-year-old who bears no responsibility for anything that happens in his life. Everything is Arabella's fault. Does that seem fair to you? Do you think that the guy has any responsibility in the sexual relationship between himself and this lady? Yes. Are you just saying that because you know that that's the correct answer or because you think it, t- it takes two to tango as the saying goes? She's a crazy one, right? I didn't say she was crazy. Well, to trap, to trap him is kind of crazy. I'm going to explain the context for you because I have some sympathy for Arabella. It's the 1890s. She has, she's the daughter of pig farmers. She doesn't have an education. She has no job opportunities. Pig farming as a profession is kind of drying up there in Wessex. So... For her own survival, she feels like she needs to get a husband. And what's the way to get a husband? To get yourself pregnant, at least according to Arabella's friends. And so in doing this, she's trying to assure her own future, just as Jude is trying to assure his own future by studying and going to Christminster. But here's what she does, Ruthie. She seduces him and she does not get pregnant. Wait, you just indicated like she was going to kill him? What did you just do? You just indicated like somebody just got killed. What was that?
0: She kills
1: him. She does not kill him. <laughs> the book is called Jude the Obscure. If he died right there, the book would be over. And you know that this is only the first part. Oh, I didn't know that. That's the, when I asked you to be on, I said there's different parts. I finished the first part. And that's what I want to tell you about. The okay. first part. Okay. You're grounded.
0: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Back to Obscure, Michael Ian Black with my second favorite child, Ruthie. I'm catching her and all of you up on the first part of Jude the Obscure. We were just talking about how Arabella seduces Jude and Ruthie. She does not get pregnant, but here's what she does. She tells him she's pregnant. Well, they did that in Glee. They did that in Glee? Yeah. What happened? Uh Schuster's wife. Okay. How many times did you see Glee? Two. (laughs) (laughs) or Schuster's wife. Good old Schuster's wife. Mm Mm-hmm. Said she was pregnant and she wasn't. Because he was... They were probably going to get a divorce. Huh. So she lied. Yeah. Well, that's exactly... She was crazy, so... Well... (sighs) The, no, but she was. Okay. I believe you that she was. I don't think Arabella is crazy. And I appreciate the parallels between Jude the Obscure and Glee, which you've watched in its entirety two or three times. But Arabella is not crazy. She's just devious. And she just wants a husband. And she wants Jude to be that husband. And so she tells him that she's pregnant when she is not. And Jude, because he is honorable... Asks her to marry him, even though he suspects that she is not the woman that he thought she was, that she is not maybe the best of women. He says something like that in the book. So they get married. They move into a little cottage together. Jude is working for pennies as an apprentice to a stonemason. They're very poor. Jude and Arabella, uh, their married life is not exactly what he had envisioned. And eventually... Does she have a child? Did, what did I just say? Is she pregnant, yes or no? No. Then how does she have a child? Well, eventually she's going to catch on, so she has to have a child. What do you mean she has to have a child? Do you mean she's like yeah. going to steal a child? She's going to steal a child and just like show up with it?
0: Glee. What? It's what
1: they did in Glee. Oh, in Glee she stole...
0: Yeah.
1: Eventually... Well, yeah. But eventually... He's gonna know that she's not pregnant, right? Well, what else is she gonna do? I don't know. You tell me. What's going What do you think would happen? Um, she could tell the truth. Uh huh. But I guess it, maybe they don't get divorced. Okay, you, you're very close, actually. She does confess at a certain point. He says, "When, when, dear? When is this baby going to be due?" She says she lost it? No, she says she was never pregnant to begin with. I been yeah, you would have been. You would have been smarter. And they get into a huge fight about it. And then she starts manhandling his books. She gets her greasy pig-covered fingers on his books. This outrages him. He shakes her violently. Why, she, why did she touch his books? Exactly. She has no business touching his books. They're, the, they're his most precious objects. And she's, she's basically rendering a pig. And she's got pig fat all over the books. And he's because she, she's mad? She's, she's, they're, they're having a big fight, yeah. She picks up his book. Yep. So she gets furious. She runs out into the road. She basically screams, this guy's killing me. He's assaulting me. He's terrible. He's violent. And Jude is so disgusted and he's going to go out and he's going to drag her back into the house, but he doesn't. He just says, look, babe, it's over. And she's like, yeah, it's over. And she says, I think it would be best if I move to Australia with my parents, they're talking about going anyway. Pig farming here in Wessex is a dying industry. Will you be all right if I just leave? And he's like, I think that would be great. And he gives her all the money that he has. He gives her all the furniture she, he has because he just wants to be done with her. So they don't get actually divorced? They don't get actually divorced. No, but she... Did le- they get actually married? They did get actually married. Different times. Yeah, you, different times. I mean, I I love your observation. Yeah, these are different times. And now Jude is free to resume his studies if that's what he chooses to do. He goes back to that hill where he first spied Christminster. And for the first time in a few years, he gets reinvigorated. And he decides he's going to pursue his studies once again. And that is the end of the first part of Jude the Obscure. Are you into it? I'm not, not into it. All right. Well, that's a that's a that's a very promising start, Ruthie. I want to thank you so much for coming on to Obscure and being a part of the podcast. You've been a real a real treat, uh, especially when you remembered to listen. Mm-hmm. Thanks right. from the Jill Schwartz Memorial Library here in the wilds of Connecticut. I am Ian Black. Until next time, when we begin part second of Jude the Obscure. I wish you adieu. Obscure is brought to you by Earwolf. For more information on Obscure, visit our show page at Earwolf.com. And subscribe, won't you, in your favorite podcast app like Stitcher or Apple Podcasts so you do not miss one exciting episode of Jude Obscure. Obscure is produced... By Jennifer Brennan, Mary Shimkin, and Robin Lynn, who also mixed and edited today's show with music composed by Craig Wedron. Special thanks to everyone at Earwolf, especially Chris Bannon, Colin Anderson, and the Earwolf engineer team of Brett Morris, Sam Kiefer, and Ryan Connor. If you would like information about sponsoring our show, email Hello at midroll.com from the wilds of Connecticut. I'm Michael Ian Black.